message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians. Anybody know where the book of Colossians is? If you do, open in your Bible. Praise God. We're going to speak this morning. I've got a message here entitled, The Life Called Up in Us. The Life Called Up in Us. Christ. So what we're saying this morning is that his life, we're, we're getting to know this life. We have a life in us. The life of God. And that life is able to do all the things that me and you can't do in our own strength. All the ways that we struggle and, and uh, let each other down, let God down. His life in us is able to do all the things we can't do. So I want to share with you this morning, how does that work? How does his life in you and me as believers, how does that life rise up to actually carry us, to actually make us new people, to actually show forth his presence even in the world? So I'm going to read through Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read through the first 14 verses. And as I was reading this during the week, the Lord was speaking to me about various things. And I want to share just really what God put in my heart. So this is Colossians 1 from verse 1. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. All God's people. It doesn't say some of God's people. Do you know as a believer, see this life in you, do you know what it does? It makes you love all people. For God's will that none should perish, you know? So I know there's people here, I'm one of them, and you could be struggling today to love certain people. You see that life that's struggling to love certain people? That's not his life. <laughs> There's a deeper life. There's a life that'll come up. And when that life comes up, my goodness, the love is, is astronomical. Praise God. Mary, you shared with me, we were chatting a couple of days ago, how one day, many years ago, in Moville, you were walking in Moville, and you saw a young man who was an alcoholic staggering up the street, almost falling into the traffic. And an unusual thing happened to you. Something welled up within you, like a, such a compassion for that man, you felt like bursting into tears. And you recognized that wasn't you. It was the life of Christ in you, you know. And this morning, I want to speak about how that happens. How that life of Christ in us wells up like a fountain. Praise God. So this is what Paul is referring to here when he speaks of this. This is verse 5, reading on. It says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you, praise God. So I want you to notice there, look where Christian faith and hope spring from. from. It doesn't spring from our best efforts. You know, for years, I felt people were exhorting me to try and have more faith and more love, as if I could produce that. That's not what the Bible says. It says faith and hope spring from the hope that we hear and believe because of the proclamation of the gospel of what God has done for us. It's so beautiful. I thought for years God was looking for me to produce this faith and love. And it is the most miserable 
life in the world to try and produce faith and love, to try and produce the Christian life. In other words, to be your own savior is miserable. You'll either only go one way, you'll go into pride or you'll go into despair. It's a miserable life to try and be producing your own life. Praise God. If you look at children, look at the joy of children. You know, we can come in here, even on the worst days, there's a skip in their step. You know, why, why are they like that? Because they haven't taken responsibility onto themselves to save their own life. That's daddy's job. All right, cons. <laughs> That's mommy's job. They pay the bills. They look after us. We, we don't have to figure everything out. We're well looked after. We're well provided for. That's the life of Christ. That's that life in us. It's so beautiful. And that's where love and faith spring from. They spring really from that revelation that we are God's children. And therefore, it doesn't matter how many bad things happen to us in this life, for we're not left as orphans to save ourselves. If we are God's children, then all the things that happen to us in this life cannot change who we are. It can't change who we are. Death cannot change who we are. We have already passed from death to life. So this world can't threaten us or can't bribe us. That's why Jesus could stand there where the devil said, I could make you king of the whole world. And Jesus just laughed. He said, I know who I am. <laughs> you can't make me anything. I know who I am. You see, when you know who you are, that's called authority. The world then can't tempt you to grasp for life because you know that life has been given to you. This is what it is to believe the gospel. When you know how much has been given to you, you are delivered from the corruption that is in the world through lust, the Apostle Peter said, which is the grasping for life because I need to give myself life because if I don't save myself, who will? Newsflash, he has done it. Praise the Lord. He has given us everything. Now that's a revelation that grows in us and that, that growing in us, I want to talk about this morning. It's such a beautiful thing. That life is greater than death and the growth of that life in us causes his life, which is a selfless life, to overcome this selfish life. Oh, turn on your news. Look at the world. Why is the world like that? Because people are grasping for life. It's a selfish life. But we have been given a selfless life. It's a different type of life, praise God. So Christian maturity then, growing up, doesn't look like beating everyone else in an argument about doctrine and then denouncing your opponents as of the devil. Christian maturity looks like loving your enemies. Isn't that right? Christian maturity doesn't sound like God's going to get you one day. It sounds like, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's Christian maturity. Let's read on. Verse 6. This is what Paul writes. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Come on, if you watch Sky News, you wouldn't think there's much growing in the world except fear and anger and death. The Bible says the gospel is growing throughout the whole world. That didn't change in 2,000 years. It's more powerful now than it's ever been. Growing and bearing fruit throughout the world. You may not see it in Sky News or BBC. The gospel is bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit in Asia, bearing fruit in Africa, right away across the world. It's amazing, praise God. And I say that because the awareness of that is something powerful. Just as it has been doing since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now that's an interesting. Look how the Apostle Paul describes the gospel as truly understanding God's grace. Do you want to see the fruit of the gospel in your life? It looks like this, a true understanding of God's grace. 
The gospel is a message about his love, not yours. Verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Notice Paul describes him as a minister of Christ. It doesn't say he's a minister of religion. <laughs> Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have Cars and houses and a great life and nothing ever go wrong and everybody love you. And I, no. Why? Why should we be strengthened with the life of God? Why should we be filled with the Spirit of God? So that we may have great endurance and patience. Isn't that amazing? The fruit of growing in the knowledge of God is not that life gets better, but that your response to the things that happen change. Did you hear that? <laughs> the fruit of growing in the knowledge of who God is isn't necessarily that your life looks like everything's going better, but your response to everything that happens to you is totally changed. Because no longer are you allowing all the bad things happening to you and from you and with you and around you to determine who you are. The Holy Spirit is telling you who you are. And you are being set free from this world and all the things in this world. That's how Jesus stood before Pilate after he was beaten up. And Pilate was shocked because it hadn't changed who he knew he was. He stood there with authority, even though he was bleeding and bruised, because nothing had happened to him changed him, changed his knowledge of who he was. That's maturity. That's growing up into knowing that he is with us. That's part of acknowledging his presence on a Sunday morning, you know? It's like we are the people who know he's with us. We are the people who know. That's why the most elementary, fundamental, and first spiritual gift you may experience is, Speaking in tongues. Why? So that in your worst moment, when you don't know what to pray, you can open your mouth and say, God is with me. It's true. He has given me his spirit. It's like a beginner's gifting. Praise God. You don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. It's beautiful. Praise God. And sometimes it happens even during worship. Children, young people, any people, any age, that gifting is yours. It's already yours. By the proclamation of that, sometimes the ability to take hold of it comes. That's why I say that this morning. Praise God. It's your gifting. It's for you. It's him in you. It's so beautiful. Praise God. Verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Oh, that must be a mistake in my Bible. I can't say that. Verse 12. Look, it says here that the Father qualified us. That's wrong, isn't it? I mean, we qualify ourselves. Isn't that what we've been told all our life? Are you sure you're praying enough, doing enough? Have you said this? Have you said that? Have you done this? Have you done that? Uh, this must be a mistake, isn't it? It can't be the Father who qualifies us. That can't be right, can it? I mean, if that was true, we could start rejoicing, couldn't we? We could think, my God, this is great. Somebody else has qualified me. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Let me tell you this story. I know you've heard it before, but I love it. I've got to pick on somebody. Let's pick on you, Terry. God bless you. Good to see you here, Terry, and Lee with you. Terry gets up one morning, and something's gone wrong in his house, and his boiler is broken, and the whole house is freezing. And uh, Terry, uh, a friend of his who's living with Terry in the house, tells him, Terry, you need to get that sorted. So Terry goes out, and he meets Lee. 
And he says, Lee, I don't know what to do. My boiler in the, in the house is broken. And Lee says, what sort of boiler is it, Terry? So Terry tells him the make of the boiler. And Lee says, wow, that's amazing. I got a boiler just like that. And mine broke last year, and I fixed it. Got a video off YouTube. I know how to fix your boiler. Here, I'll write it down for you. So Lee writes down three things Terry has to do to fix his boiler. Terry's delighted. He comes home and he waves a piece of paper at his friend and says, look, the house is safe. Good news, good news. And his friend's got a piece of paper too and says, I got some good news too. You go first. And Terry says, there you go. How to fix the boiler in three easy steps. What's your good news? And his friend says, his receipt for a brand new boiler was filled when you were out. (laughs) As a free gift. Religion says it's your job to fix your life. That is not the gospel. Here's the gospel. You've been gifted a brand new life. If you want it. If you want to stick with your old life, there's religion and atheism. Be my guest. Be your own savior. It's a miserable life. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, you don't qualify yourself for the kingdom of God. The Father was in Christ qualifying you to share in his life. Now, I know when I say that, the first reaction in my soul and yours is, yeah, but Phelan, but what I have to do? I hear what you're saying, but surely there must be something I have to do. What do I have to do? Okay, I'm going to give you the words of Mary. You ready? This is what you have to do. Let it be done unto me according to your word. That's your role. You want something to do? Okay, I'll give you something to do. Let him be your savior. Let him. Let him be your savior. Let's talk about that. Let his life do the work. Let his life be done unto you according to his word to you. In other words, believe the gospel. Believe that you are his child. Believe that he is here, that he is with you, and that he is with you on your worst day as well as your best day. Believe that he doesn't change being your father when you fall flat on your face. Believe that and you'll find yourself living or find his life in you rising up like a fountain on the inside of you. Let his life be your life. That's what the gospel's proclaiming. For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, Colossians 3, 4, we shall be just like him. Here's the gospel. Let him be your life. He has come with true life. What you call life, your self-life, you trying to save yourself, that's death. It's just hard work, misery. His life is connected to God. His life is a shared life. He doesn't have an individual life. It's a shared life. Have that life. Receive that life. Let his life be your life. That's his will. And that's the gospel. And that just changes everything. Now, how does that work? Let me describe to you how that works in the words of Jesus to the woman at the well. He said this to her. The water you drink, you drink this and you're going to be thirsty again. There was no satisfaction ever in trying to be your own savior. Honestly, if you think that if you can get a bigger house or a bigger car, or the best money in the world, or have as much money as Bill Gates, or whatever. Whatever you think would bring you contentment right now in this world, I promise you, you'll be thirsty again. The moment you sat in that big house with your money in the bank, you'll wake up the next morning, and you'll look in the mirror, and you'll be thirsty again. Jesus said that. But then he said to her this, but the water I give you will become in you a fountain springing up 
to eternal life. That's how it works. The water I give you. He's not looking for you to produce water, to produce life. The water I give you will become in you. And that's the testimony of what's happening in our lives. His life is springing up in us like a fountain. That's what happened to you, Mary, when you walked down Moville and you saw that man staggering in the street. His life in you like a fountain welled up. Welled up to what? Welled up to eternal life. What's eternal life? Knowing him. That's what Jesus said, John 17. This is eternal life, that they may know you, how good you are. So good, you couldn't bear to be apart from us, so you're not. That's how good he is, praise God. The water I give to you. So, how does this life spring up in me? Receive his water. Receive it. What's his water? His word. What's his word? What's his word to you and me? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's word to you and me. This is how much I love you. <laughs> this is how much I love you. I have knitted you to my life. When I died, you died. When I rose, you rose. When I sat in the heavenly realm, you sit in the heavenly realm. If you receive my life, that's your life. My life is your life. Will you receive my life? If you receive my life, this is your life. Your life now sits in the heavenly realm. Your life now has passed from life to death. Colossians 3, verse 1. If, therefore, you have been resurrected. Is there anybody in this church can say, I have been resurrected? <laughs> if, therefore, you've been resurrected, then you don't have to live for God anymore. You can now live from God. It's a totally different way to live. Totally different way to live. Now, I want to ask a question. Why... Am I living like that, if that is the case? Why am I not living like that? And I think the answer to that is because in this world, this world is speaking to me in a different way. I want to explain what I mean by that. Because his life in us is actually called up on us. His word to us really is that we are his children. That's Romans 8, 16. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will speak to you. He will testify something to you. You know what he testifies to you? That we are, not will be, but we are the children of God. Now, hearing that, and no man can hear that except by the Spirit of God, you know? It's like when God moves in your life and speaks to your life, who he declares you to be, you are. And in that declaration comes the empowerment to be. You see, in his voice is the power to be who he says you are. I can't explain that. I'm just saying, if you're standing in the presence of Jesus and he says, your name is Michelle, your name is Michelle. You are who he says you are. He has so much faith in his word that he believes that what he declares is. He is the one who says, let there be, and there is. That's so much power he has. So for you and I to hear God's word is to be changed, praise God, is to receive that word. It's such a beautiful thing. His word becomes our life. Through God's word to us, Jesus Christ, you and I find our being in him and his being in us, praise the Lord. You know, by the age of seven, Danny, by the age of seven, you knew your name was Danny, did you not? You actually believed your name was Danny. Why did you believe your name was Danny? Yeah. And not just on the day you're christening. For seven years, everybody called you Danny. Danny, 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 Danny. Nobody called you John. Nobody called you Peter. Nobody called you Frank. They called you Danny. And so by the age of seven, you're absolutely convinced of who you were. Why? Because people spoke that into him. People over him spoke that into him. And so that's exactly the same in us. The fountain of us springing up to eternal life, this description of your true life in Christ, appears in us. And that peace, his peace and the wisdom appearing in us really is because it's been spoken into us. Praise God. God speaks those things into us. He calls us up into himself. He has rescued us in that sense. And he rescued us to live in a totally different way. And I need to be called up into that life, you know. Why don't I live in that peace and that contentment more than I do? Why don't I behave as if that's true? Because my mind, my thinking, my being is yet to catch up with what Christ has done. 
I'll say it again. My thinking is yet to catch up with what God has done. The Bible says that one day, on the day I die, or on the day when Jesus appears, whichever is sooner, in that day, instantaneously, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be caught up. I'm going to know that I know that I know. My mind is going to be instantly renewed in his presence, you know. In the meantime, I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> and that's where we gather together, you know. And you speak his words over me, and I speak his words over you. That we would be called up, as it were, into this beautiful life. So one day we'll be caught up. In the meantime, it's our role for each other to call us up, to call us up into that life. It's very, very important. I need to be called up into that life. And what calls me up, what enables me to walk in the realm of living from God's being in me and I in him is being spoken to as who I now am in Christ, just as Danny was spoken to every day as Danny. Not that one day you could be Danny when you get to 18. No, you are Danny. It's being spoken to as who you are that calls forth the life in you. This is very, very important. So the gospel needs to tell me who I am, not who I could be, because I find that there's no power in any message that leaves my hope on me, because faith and love don't spring from me, do they? We read this morning. It's, faith, it's springing really from the hope of the gospel, that in fact, this is not my life. My life is hidden with Christ and God, the hope of what he has done. That's where it actually springs from, praise God. So, Please don't leave my faith on me. Faith and love don't spring from me. So I find that life in me, it jumps when I hear this gospel of his grace, the one that leaves my hope on a sinless life, not one that leaves my hope on a sinning less life. There's a big difference. Is your hope in a sinning less life? Well, then you're probably comparing yourself with other Christians all the time. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. That'll wear you out as well. That'll make you miserable and a misery to be around. I find every time I hear the gospel, it speaks to me as if Christ has done it all and there's nothing left for me to do but believe in him and his life rather than me and mine. I find something like a fountain springing up in me. I find his peace springing up that it doesn't bother me as much, things that used to bother me a lot of the time. I find his patience springing up. I'm more patient with people because I realize that they're just saying that and being that nasty because they don't know who they are. I find his love springing up in me for the unlovely because I was just like that until he rescued me. And I find that springing up, springing up, springing up. And what caused that to spring up is the gospel. It's people speaking to me after the spirits and not according to my record, not according to the flesh. Praise God. So when you speak to me as if Christ is my true life, as if all my sins, past, present, and future are not as powerful as the blood of Jesus, his life, then I find his life, his love, being called up in me. And knowing that causes me to want to say something to every Christian leader, which is this. If you want me and millions of other Christians to manifest the magnificent life of Christ rather than the small-minded religiosity of our flesh and all our fears, then please do the world a favor and speak to us as if Christ is our life. <laughs> please, speak to me as if Christ is my life. Believe in me as my parents believed in me one day and I grew up into their belief, for better or worse. That's how we're built. You're built to be transformed by the power of the word spoken into your life. And when God speaks his word into your life, you cannot be but a totally different person because his word is forever. His word is a supernatural life. To hear the word of God, oh, I long to stand 
and tell people who they are in Christ. Tell people God's love for them. Tell people and call them up. Now, it's up to people. Some people, and I do not know why, turn their back and prefer a life in the darkness. Jesus said that. He said some people will not, will not respond. They will hang on to their old life. We've all been there. There were times in my life when I was a student in London. Many years ago, I heard the gospel. I turned away from it because my life looked great. I was going to be somebody. Praise the Lord. As long as you think you're going to make somebody of yourself, you'll never hear or receive the gospel his life, you know. That's why I love to see people go through times in their life when they're broken because I find broken people are more willing to embrace his life because they can see what many other people can't see yet, the deception of thinking that you can be your own savior. Just because the things are going well right now doesn't mean that you have the capacity to make yourself like God. You can't do it. I think I gave that example the other day of myself and Nicola met my son and his wife down the town without their little 10-month-old daughter, our granddaughter, and we asked them where she was and they said, well, we left her at home with the fridge, it's full, and we taught her how to work the oven, you know, she should be fine. At 10 months of age, what would you say? You say, well, what's the matter with you? She had absolutely no capacity to give life to herself. Well, why do you think a whole of heaven looks on you and I trying to become a good Christian? You don't have the capacity to try and be a Christian. Nobody tries to be a Christian. You're a Christian by the grace of God. That's the gospel. Now live from there and you'll be a lot less miserable around everybody else and you're trying to be a Christian. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, I don't look in the mirror every morning and try and comb my hair and say to myself, how does Phelan comb his hair? Do I look enough like Phelan this morning? Does he wear his glasses like this? What shirt would Phelan wear to church this morning? Nicola would think, are you mad? Have you lost your mind? Don't you know who you are? What do you think all the heavens thinks about you and I trying to be a Christian? What do you, what, what, what? Why don't you just be a son? I'll, I'll tell you this. If you'll be a child of God, you'll be a much better Christian by accident than you ever try to be on purpose. Somebody say amen in this church this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know how this church began, the Church of Pentecost? We were so full of joy, people thought we were drunk. The very first message ever preached in the church was, I'm not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. How did we fall so far from there? Praise God, he calls us upwards again in Christ. The proclamation of the gospel calls us upwards. It's so good, beautiful, praise God. Let me close by this. I, I, I spoke to an 80-year-old 80, an farmer in Donegal about three weeks ago, and he told me an amazing story. Uh, which sort of shocked me, really. I'd never heard this before, and I thought I knew a lot about Irish culture and traditions. But he said that many years ago, when he was 11, um, him and his 14-year-old brother were, were orphaned. Both parents died, and he was at his mother's funeral. And at, his, at the funeral in those days, this is a long time ago now, if you think of he's 80 now today, this is about 70 years ago. Apparently at funerals in, in rural Ireland at that time, there was a table left out, and you had to go up to that table and give a donation in, and your donation was actually read out, what you had given, you know. What he said to me was, all this time later, 70 years later, he still could not understand why on that day, as an 11-year-old boy, all the money that was collected that day was kept by the local priest for the church. Not a penny went to these two lads who were left, really, penniless to fend for themselves, you know. That day... What was given to him, the gospel that was spoken to him was that your father is a father who takes. Your father's not a father who gives. And that is what stayed with him and made him self-reliant 
and maybe angry and frustrated. All the things that are in his life is because that's the word that was spoken over him. That's the gospel was spoken over him. You have a father who takes, and you have a father who values people according to what they give him. That's the gospel. You think the life you and I are living today is exactly the fruit of the gospel that we have believed. The father that we have a revelation of this morning. When we get a revelation that he's good enough to be here with us today, and if the whole world is against you, what does it matter? Because he is for you. We get a revelation of a father like that, you can't help but be dancing on the inside. You can't help it. It doesn't matter, you, know, you can argue about this and that the other, and you can argue about all sorts of information, a doctrine, whatever, you know what? But if you can love your enemies, then the life of Christ in you is rising up. Isn't that beautiful? Let's bow our heads. Praise God.